On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. One size does not fit all. Some government mandate probably doesn't work in the Midwest. There's optimism for the fourth quarter in Iowa, but also a desire for government to lay off the regulations. Some tips on making the hybrid office better. And in our business profile, we'll talk with a leadership expert who discusses the role of coaching. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of September 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is the oldest and largest business network in Iowa. Their 1,500 members represent 330,000 employees in the state. Each quarter, Iowa ABI surveys its members to get their outlook regarding the business climate in Iowa. Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, shared the results with me earlier this week. First, Jeff, thanks for uh, having us on to talk about this. And you and I have talked about this survey over many quarters now. One thing that is consistent is Iowa manufacturers and business people are incredibly optimistic. And they were again this time. Of those who responded, 70% of them expect to see sales expand in the next quarter. That's good news for them, and it's really good news for Iowa, too. That is a very strong number, 70% increased sales. Now, it's less than what you had the prior quarter, but in the prior quarter, you had everybody coming out from their caves due to COVID. And so it's not a surprise that as we get back to whatever normal is, sales would be not as high in terms of an increase from the prior quarter, but still 70% think that sales are going to be up. Right. Still very high. And you're right that it is uh, less than last quarter. However, Iowa manufacturing tends to be cyclical. It tends to be seasonal. And so when we enter uh, the cold uh, months of winter, typically there are many Iowa firms that uh, that is their slow time. So still 70 percent is a pretty robust number. And we're really grateful for that. And it was also interesting. Something else you and I have talked about every time we do one of these surveys is a majority of those who responded, 56 percent, expect a higher Uh, in the coming quarter. The issue, and again, as you and I have discussed so often, is I'll be eager to see where they get those folks they intend to hire because workforce continues to be a challenge. Iowa's manufacturers remained very vibrant during COVID, partly because of the type of work that they did was deemed essential, but they also pivoted so that they could keep people on the payroll and maybe they were making plastic shields or hand sanitizer or whatever. But as things really opened up after the vaccinations became available, huge, huge number of people said they wanted to expand in the prior quarter. Still a majority now looking forward, not as many. Is that a factor, do you think, Mike, that they found the people they were looking for to get ramped back up? Or is this just realism setting in saying, well, I'd love to hire people. I just don't know where I'm going to find them. Well, as you would expect me to say, perhaps, Jeff, I think it's a little bit of both. They did find people. They were able, you mentioned uh, some folks retooled to make uh, new products. I think that's one of the unsung stories of this pandemic that the manufacturers were able to retool to make different products. They were also able to find some efficiencies. And so they found employees, but they were able to work with what they had to do things differently. 
Secondly, they have been able to do some things to find some new folks. uh, There's some census data that shows there's a minor in-migration to Iowa. Some folks in other parts of the country have wanted to get away from there. We've been able to capture some of those workers. So whether it's permanent, way too soon to tell. But there's some good news on that horizon, too. Our businesses in this state have been expanding consistently. We have a strong economy. We have restructured the tax code. All of these things that were deemed necessary. Now there's a greater focus on family needs, child care, etc., because that does have a role to play with business. And so there are probably many of your colleagues across the country in other states who would say, wow, 56% are going to increase the number of employees. They'd be throwing a party. And we're here saying, well, it's kind of off from the past. It's still 56% are going to increase payroll. Well, it is. And that, and that is really a terrific thing. We are excited about that number. But one of the reasons we take it in stride here is because it's been the norm for so long. Everybody's been hiring. Everybody's been hiring forever. And so we take it as a matter of course. It won't always be that way, we hope. But for now, it certainly continues to be a really good thing. It's sort of like Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. Well, that's <laughs> that's interesting. Right. I wonder if one of the reasons why there is hesitancy with regard to hiring more workers, and again, a majority of your members say they're going to hire, but it's not as high as in the past. Is it because of the fact that they just know Well, I can hire all the people I want, but I may not be able to get raw materials. The cost, thanks to the producer price index going up at, what, 8% most recently, they just know that the supply chain is still an issue, and so they're kind of keeping their powder dry a little bit? Well, I think you're exactly right. You touched on two issues that we never used to hear about, but we do now. Increase in costs, inflation, and supply chain. Those things certainly impact a manufacturer's ability to to make their product. I, I know of several manufacturers that would go to either a multiple shifts or a 24-hour uh, workplace if they felt like they could get the materials they needed to make their products. Uh, they can't, or if they can, uh, it's too expensive, or the quality's not there. And so all those things, those supply chain issues really play a part. It's one of those things that's holding us back a little bit, and uh, we're hopeful for some positive change there soon. I keep going back to this every time we talk about it, and I, I think it has merit. It's one thing to say you're going to hire people, because you can also lay those people off if you need. But when you invest money in new equipment, new buildings, capital expenditures, that is a commitment to stay. That is a commitment to grow. And you have an even higher number of your members say, we're going to invest in this next quarter in capital expenditures. That's got to have a ripple effect in so many aspects of our economy. Well, you're, you're exactly right. You and I, again, have talked about that number many times. And I continue to be amazed that in the face of a global pandemic, with all the pressures that are facing Iowa manufacturers right now, over three-fourths of them plan to make a capital expenditure. And as you talked about, that's maybe it's a plan expansion. Maybe it's a multi-million dollar piece of equipment, but it's a major commitment and one a business person would not make unless they were pretty certain about their economic viability and about their opportunity to grow. And so it's really terrific for those businesses. As I always say, though, it's really terrific for Iowa to see that kind of commitment and that kind of activity out of Iowa manufacturers. My guess is your phone started ringing and your email box became full when this pandemic hit. Businesses asking questions about what's appropriate, what are the standards, 
What is it that the federal government is advising us to do? How can you help us as we try to stay afloat? Very different time for everyone involved. And I'm sure the phones were ringing and the email box was full last week when the president said, we want to mandate that businesses with 100 or more employees require their workers to get a shot or else be subjected to testing. That requires you as an organization to come up with some standards, some suggestions, and some policies. What was the reaction from Iowa ABI to this latest suggestion of an OSHA rule from Washington? Well, it's like you were in the car with me. Last Thursday afternoon, I was returning from a meeting in Maquoketa, Iowa, returning to Des Moines. And uh, we had had a meeting there of some ABI board members toured a manufacturing plant, Jackson Manufacturing in Maquoketa. As I'm coming back, I'm listening to the radio and the president is speaking. And no more than 10 seconds after he said those words that you just alluded to, my cell phone rang. And it kept ringing all the way back to Des Moines, people talking about his remarks. Pretty simple at ABI. Number one, We have uh, long urged people to get uh, vaccinated. I'm proud to say that 100% of the staff at ABI itself is vaccinated. We have member companies who have mandated vaccinations for their employees, a whole bunch of things. But again, it's pretty simple. For decades, we've had a policy that says we don't like mandates. And we think it's totally consistent to say, I'm going to institute a mandate myself, but the government shouldn't mandate it for us. And so We issued a statement last Friday, and we shared it with the congressional delegation with Iowa officials that talked about what manufacturers have done to fight this uh, pandemic. And I'm biased, but I'm real proud of what Iowa manufacturers have done. Gosh, don't uh, don't force yet another government mandate on us. If I own a business in Waterloo, I know how to run that business better than somebody in Washington, D.C. So that's kind of our point that uh, don't force it on us, but everybody should get vaccinated. And as you note, it's not inconsistent to say, I'm running a business, I'm going to allow my workers to get vaccinated with a strong suggestion, even a mandate allowing for religious exemptions, medical exemptions, etc. But it's very different for Mike Ralston's company to do that, as opposed to the government saying you have to do it, because that just creates more precedent for regulation that hamstrings the businesses, especially in my view in the Midwest, because the people making the rules are from the coast and they don't really understand what it takes to run a business, maybe anywhere, but certainly in the Midwest. I think you're exactly right. And I'll use a specific example. I'll never forget when the uh, tornado hit Parkersburg uh, some years ago, people in the Midwest compared it to what happened in other parts of the country when hurricanes hit. And FEMA came in and said to the folks in Parkersburg, You have to do X, Y, and Z. It's a federal mandate. And the folks in Parkersburg said, well, we're ready to rebuild. We, uh, you know, we we want to get going. And and there was a lot of talk about waiting periods and things like this, because that was what happened in other parts of the country. So the point is, one size does not fit all. Some government mandate, and you're right, in Washington, uh, probably doesn't play. It probably doesn't work in the Midwest. and, And we certainly think this mandate doesn't work either. Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, online at iowaabi.org. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, September 14th. Still to come, a hybrid office balance and considering training, mentoring, coaching, and more. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. 
The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa and its Family Business Center, presenting another event in the Virtual Breakfast Series on Friday, October 15th, on the topic of finding and keeping key non-family employees. To learn more or to register, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on the Family Business Center tab. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for you and your farm. Join their growing family of more than 12,000 farmer members. Activate your farmer membership today at IASoybeans.com, powered by the Soybean Checkoff. Work has taken on a very different form in the past year and a half since the pandemic started. The group BrandPoint has some suggestions on how to make a hybrid office situation more effective and healthier. They suggest that a hybrid work environment means creating a different kind of company culture, treating remote work as part of a new normal, right down to scheduling virtual coffee breaks and lunches between co-workers. Balance is also important. We tend to stare at a computer screen without interruption more when we're working from home. So they advise blocking time for breaks, even if it's just to walk around a bit, like you might in going to the copier at the office, for example. Brandpoint also noted some key technology considerations for those logging in from a variety of places. They suggest cloud-based solutions instead of fixed computer drives or even company servers, securing all devices with antivirus software and keeping work devices separate from personal use, also good ideas. Coming up, taking business to the next level with personal and professional growth. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa. The first-ever Family Business Conference will be held in Des Moines on Thursday, November 11th, designed to connect, educate, and provide helpful resources to family business. For more, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on the Events tab. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from Iowa History Journal. The new September-October issue features a story on an Iowa native with a stellar military career, another who was an NFL star, and still another who became a Hollywood legend. Get your copy of Iowa's only popular magazine devoted exclusively to its fascinating history at Hy-Vee, Fairway, and at iowahistoryjournal.com. In this week's business profile, we'll reintroduce you to Heather Marquez, of Action Coach MindLinks in the Cedar Valley. We spoke early last year before the pandemic, but as more people are again gathering in offices, the concept of coaching and professional development again ramping up. And as she told me last year, coaching is very different from training. So I come from a retail background of 25 years where I had a lot of opportunity to do operations, HR, loss prevention, pretty much everything you could do in a business. And then the last 10 years I was part of that, I was also doing a lot of leadership development, team development. Um, I was in charge of executive development. And I found that I really had a passion for it, loved it. I was really good at it. Um, And as my role started to change from 
the people development, the team and leadership focus, and really more on the operations, although I love that side. It just wasn't quite where my purpose and passion were going. When I first started, my focus was really on helping women in leadership positions and in businesses close the gaps because I'd read the American Express study where women businesses in Iowa were the last in the country for a lot of different things. I also found I was so focused on leadership development that the business owners that I really felt strongly that I could help weren't in a place where they could think about leadership development because they were still in the day-to-day chaos of trying to get systems in place and get their hands around managing their time and cash flow, all those pieces that you really need to have some stability in before you can genuinely focus on building your team. And that is what took me to joining Action Coach and becoming a franchise partner with Action Coach. It sort of marries the best of both of my worlds. I get to use all of the leadership influences, information, education that I've been able to build up over the last 10, 20 years and marry it with my operational background on the business side. So it's not just let's build leaders, it's let's build metrics and measure things so that we can make sure that there's a return on investment every time we are spending money on training, development, coaching. And so it really became an opportunity for me to use the best of both worlds that I had been in. You term what you do being a business coach. We have talked to people for this segment who call themselves trainers. Other phrases are consultants. Distinguish what you do as a business coach from what others may do with some of those other descriptions? That is a fabulous question. And I talk all the time about that because there is such a meshing of terms, which makes people think they understand a concept and they're they're completely on the other side of it. So um, some of the common terms that get meshed with coaching are counseling. Counseling is more dealing with those past experiences and helping you move through some traumatic experience to come out on the other side. And then there's consulting. Consultants are individuals who generally come in, they have an area of expertise, they evaluate, they tell you what to do, how to fix it. Sometimes they come in and fix it for you, and then they leave. Um, A mentor is usually someone who has an expertise or a very high level of success in a very focused area that you need to grow in. So when you reach out to a mentor, it's somebody that's highly respected for that particular knowledge, and you're tapping into them and and gaining knowledge from them, gaining guidance from them in those situations where they're the expert. A coach, on the other hand, is someone that they don't necessarily have to be the expert in your industry What they need is a variety of tools and resources and to be able to ask you the right questions so that you find the answers that are right for you. So coaching isn't about telling anybody what to do. It's about asking them the questions that help them get clear on their next steps and help them dig deep enough that they can understand when they're getting in their own way. The difference in any business owner between $50,000 a year and $250,000 a year is self-sabotage. That's exactly the difference. Mm -hmm. And as a coach, we help individuals, and in my case, I work specifically with business owners and leaders, we help them identify some of those particular self-sabotaging behaviors through questions. Um, Sometimes it's, you set this goal for last week, you didn't hit it. We've set that goal 
four weeks in a row now. What's causing you to not hit it? Is it not so important anymore? Or is there something else getting in your way? And a lot of times when somebody's setting a goal and they're just not hitting it, it's because there's a component missing. It could be clarity. It could be priority, importance, or it could be their mindset. It could be those little voices in their head telling them they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they don't have the right timing, whatever the case. Those are the things that people tend to listen to their chatter. And as a coach, we help people get past that chatter and really see the situation for what it is. Now, the other piece you said was training. I also do training. And for a trainer, it's taking a particular body of work and helping equip individuals with that new skill, knowledge, ability. And so I blend coaching and training in that my goal every time I work with a business owner or leader is not just to ask them a lot of questions, but also identify where those gaps are in knowledge or skills and pull my resources, multiple certifications, into the picture where I'm equipping them with something that they can then go back and use after they're finished working with me. They can go back and use it with their team. So it's sort of the concept of if you give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day. But if you teach them to fish, then they'll eat for a lifetime. And that's really what the mix of coaching and training does. For me, it really is about starting with a business owner who is wanting to grow but feeling stuck, feeling frustrated by some aspects, not necessarily meaning that they're not successful, but they're very growth-minded and they're feeling stuck and at a particular level. And working with them to a point where they start to have some really awesome epiphanies and awakenings. And being able to be a part of that and help people experience that is incredibly rewarding, but also, you know, at the end of the day, it just comes down to helping them be the very best version of who they're meant to be. And that's part equipping, part coaching. Heather Marquez of Action Coach MindLinks, based in the Cedar Valley. Learn more online at heathermarquez.actioncoach.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.